0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Build Your Team Show. As always, y'all know me, I am a team and I've got my buddy Jason with me today and Jason has a ton of experience, not just in the business world, right, with building teams, but even working within teams within the military, y'all, like the real teams, (laughs) like the real, real teams, right? And so he's got some great stuff that he wants to share with us today. And as always, Build Your Team is brought to you by Client Attraction Pros. Hey, it's time that you become the thought leader of your industry. And we're going to help you do that and make it fast, easy, and fun. So Jason, welcome to the show, my friend.
1: Atiba, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. And just because I'm friends with a few special forces guys who refer to themselves as the teams, I want to put it out there that I am not a special forces veteran, but I did serve in the army when I was a younger man.
0: Well, first, let me just start by saying thank you for your service. We appreciate that. And, you know, don't want to go any further without saying that. Okay. But I want to take you back for a moment. Because you've been in business now for a while, too, and I want to take you back for a little while, for for a moment, back to when it was just you and it was time to hire your first person in business. Because, and and you'll tell us why you were wanting to hire that first person, but what I want to know is what was going on at the time? What were you feeling? What were you thinking? And how did you find that first person?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think that like a lot of people, I hired who was around me. And so my first business with two partners was a CrossFit gym in Chicago. And we had this business for, I mean, it's still running today. It's been 13 years. But in the very beginning, it was just the three of us. And then ultimately, we decided to bring on some part-time employees. And where did we look? We looked for those people that were closest to us. So we had some clients who we called like our first followers, right? The people that really sort of naturally fit in. And every time I said North, they went North. Every time I said East, they went East. There was just this perfect, you know, what I now would call a core value fit. And then I didn't really know how to identify then. And so believe it or not, we had a lot of success with our very first hire It wasn't until we started to like, actually try to proactively hire when we got a little more successful that I found out that you couldn't just grab that first follower who already kind of was in love with your culture and your business and everything, the way they already were, you know?
0: Yeah. So you were able to find good people right around you. And so that's super helpful. Right? Yeah. So now let's talk about that. When you said that, okay, after you got through them and you start going out and looking, was it easy?
1: No, not at all. And so what happened was the, for the very first few hires, I would say we had 10 part-time coaches. It's a CrossFit gym, 10 part-time coaches, you know, that were working a few hours a week. This is very common in fitness, brick and mortar fitness, very common to have very sub-part-time people that are doctors or teachers Mm -hmm. or police officers Mm -hmm. or firemen or whatever. And those worked out by and large pretty well. There was a very low threshold of what we were asking of them, and they really just wanted to help other people get the same benefits that they had gotten as members. It wasn't until we sort of outgrew that part-time capable staff that we really had to understand our mission, our core values, the role, and if that person, and exactly who we were looking for to fill that role and that would succeed. And I'll tell you right now, Atiba, we fell flat on our face. I really struggled because I had always hired based on culture and fit. And so who were these people that were perfectly well qualified, but they didn't do CrossFit or they didn't already uh, belong to the gym or they didn't want to hang out at the barbecues every weekend or whatever this different thing was. And so anybody that's listening to this that runs what they would call like a tribal community type business will understand. But for so many people, these types of businesses thrive on kind of extracurriculars, right? The community and the culture of it all. Mm -hmm. And so we struggled. So, you know, I had worked in corporate America. I had worked in banking and had a degree in finance. So I understood how to put, you know, good requests out for talent and how to look through a resume and understand who I was sitting across and how to ask insightful questions but mm-hmm. we really struggled to go from, a, you know, a team that I would say primarily drafted to a team that was trying to trade. Does that make mm. sense?
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So how'd you do it? How did you eventually make it work?
1: Honestly, we failed our first few hires. And I say it that way on purpose, there was things that we hired perfectly good people that were perfectly qualified and perfectly eager to make an impact. But we didn't know, and I say we, I mean me, I didn't know what to do to get them indoctrinated, to get them up to speed. And so because of that, you know, I fell into that trap that so many entrepreneurs fall into of, I'll just do it because it's faster if I do it. Or Mm. why can't they figure this out? I've told them three times. And it wasn't until, you know, I read a book called EOS or called Traction, which is Entrepreneur's Operating System, and also sort of a similar vein, I worked with a coach named Alex Charfin, and both of them have systems that are designed so that you Take responsibility of these roles so that you define them in such a way that a qualified candidate can't screw them up. And so you put a document that leaves nothing to uncertainty and you provide them with systems and SOPs and training and exactly what it is that role is requiring of them. And previous to that, you know, most people had just been our basically our friends, right? And so they would go above and beyond and they would stay late or they would do whatever they would do. But now we had to have like a very real, very finite box that that role fit into that told them exactly what was expected. And ever since we instituted that in that business, as well as I'm literally working on 4Rs documents, which is the document I'm referring to, I'm working on that right now for the team that I'm working with now.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Now, I know that there's a business owner who's listening to us who's going to say, yeah, but what about those roles where I don't know? So I need someone to come in and do bookkeeping for me, but I don't know anything about bookkeeping. How do I create that document for that role? What do I do then? Yeah, that's a
1: great question. So one thing I would say is, you know, when I help an entrepreneur or when I'm setting up a business for myself, I like to think of it as, you know, you hear holes in the boat. I like to think of it as a boat. And, you know, there's multiple different sections of that boat, you mm-hmm. know, acquisition, sales, fulfillment, you know, yep. any number of things. Right. And there's going to be some number of questions that my business asks of me. And part of my job as the entrepreneur, as the CEO, as the visionary is to answer as best as i can each of those questions and so if i don't understand an element of my business i need to at least understand its objective and so a great example a bookkeeper do i need to go get certified as an accountant or understand gap or know how to you know do you know cash based accounting absolutely not you certainly should if you're an entrepreneur out there with a small business, you certainly should have a basic understanding of accounting. But what you can do is you can learn what they should look like. You can learn what the objectives should be in the business. Okay, so if we're talking about a bookkeeper, we want somebody that can keep track of our accrual and cash-based accounting in such a way that we can make effective management decisions in a timely and efficient way. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, how do we feed that? And we just start to reverse engineer ourselves back to that role. And so you say things like, all right, well, What do our financial transactions look like? And I'm not going to play out the metaphor the whole way, but you can see where just by taking an interest in that little hole in the boat, I start to see the questions that my business is going to ask of me, certainly the IRS, right? So to me, I usually will make it my interest to figure out, okay, what is the critical element of this role and how will I know if it's being done well? Because I've hired, particularly contractors, I've hired people on the idea that they were qualified, but I didn't have enough critical information to know if they were doing a good job. And that is just a recipe
0: for disaster. Disaster, absolutely. So I'm at the soft pitcher. You ready for this one? Mm. I'm just letting y'all know right now, I'm soft pitching him this. So 20 years ago, those were hard questions to get answers to, Mm -hmm. right? Like, even if you knew the questions to ask, you didn't necessarily know where to go get the answer. How has... AI helped us get some of those answers about, you know, hey, there's a a hole in my boat here. I don't know, know. What should I even be asking? Who should I be looking for? What should I be doing? And how do I measure them? How does AI help you with that?
1: Man, I'm not sure if I've ever even told you this, but I actually put together a free course for. And this isn't even a pitch. I put together a free course using ChatGPT for using ChatGPT as an entrepreneur. And so a great example of that would be: you go on to one of these AI platforms, whether it's Bard or ChatGPT or whichever is your preference, and you can just say, "I'm a hairstylist. I'd like to open my own salon. What are some things I need to know?" And it'll tell you, and it'll tell you with pretty remarkable accuracy, sort of the broad mm-hmm. strokes of what needs to be done. And then if there's an area of that thing of, of that it spits out that you don't understand you can simply ask it to elaborate and it will do that all the way down to i've actually drafted sops and employment documents through chat gpt and i mean just super fast and so in these moments where it's just about covering your bases and making sure that you understand the complexity or the whatever needs to fit in that box as a role 100 that that is Essentially, totally taken over by by AI. There's really not much need, and you can even ask it things like, "What should I, as a manager, be tracking?" And so you can look at the what are the key performance indicators and what's the right ranges to be in, and it'll give you a pretty good estimate of that. Certainly, still need to be paying attention to the business. You still need to be tracking things so that you understand. Let's say, for instance, you're managing a marketing team. You need to understand well what's our cost per lead or cost to acquire a client. And if you just take
0: AI's word for it, you're gonna end up average, you know? <laughs> right, right. So it, it was a soft pitch because I found your course.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so yeah, so I did set him up for that, y'all. He was not prepared for yeah. me to set him up that way, but I did. And and you should go check out his course, which will be linked down below in in the show notes or, or on YouTube in the caption down below. But, but listen, seriously, you know, as we're, we're talking about this, that is part of the power of what AI has done for us, right? It is that ability to get to the answers to questions that we Mm -hmm. didn't even know existed. And so here, and and people hear me talk about this all the time, here, AI helps you with ideation, right? And that's a lot of what you just said. So first, it's gonna help you ideate and then go deep once you have found something in there that you don't totally get. Mm Right. How else is that changing how we build or manage teams?
1: That's a great question. I think more and more, I'm looking for someone who can take ownership and and, and reverse engineer and troubleshoot and can problem solve more so than someone that can input data, right? Uh, More Mm -hmm. so than someone who can draft some social media copy. More so than someone who can write emails, you know, certainly... Having the ability to write copy and draft uh, social media stuff, all of that's crucial and is is important for years to come. But it's so easy for me to generate 50 social media posts and then skim them for the ones that stand out as good and then apply my own polish to finish it. What would be really great is, you know, this morning, candidly, I was working through moving up my domain of my website over to a, a different DNS provider. And... You know, the website went down and then email went down and we were moving from Microsoft over to Google. And it's one of those things where I don't think AI was going to be able to connect all those very specific dots with the technologies that I was trying to come across. It would have been great if our Mm -hmm. company needed an IT person. If I could have said, I need somebody who can just solve this sort of complicated problem and has the interest to actually like complete it as the puzzle that it is. And so those types of skills and as well as creativity are going to be just absolutely crucial because it's, think of AI as the paintbrush, but the person behind it, really their creativity and their interest and their ability to put together ideas that maybe AI won't put together for you is a really great way to get a better result that comes out.
0: Yes. Yeah. I was quoted saying this early. So when I say early, I'm talking February of this year, which is early in in terms of generative AI, right? I was saying that the future is gonna be in the hands of the creatives. And I think people thought what I meant was people who could paint and draw, which was kind of the illustration that you meant, but it's really, creatives is anyone who can think creatively Mm -hmm. about a a problem. AI is going to help you solve that problem, but you've gotta think creatively about it first right? You you have to give it that input and, and be the painter. It's going to help you paint a better picture.
1: Yeah, I think one way that I've heard it described is, you know, particularly GPT and these conversation like large language models is it's essentially, it is the average of the internet on a <laughs> given topic. And yes. so because of that, you get something that is likely to be correct, but may not be, you know, an industry leading idea that's going to shake up the world or disrupt something. And so it'd be very challenging. And there are little things you can do to make it stand out a little, you know, you can ask it to respond as, you know, a a certain person or in a certain style, but to remember that essentially what they're doing is say, you ask it a question about hormone replacement, it's going to give you the average best answer. You know, Mm -hmm. from the entire internet of things written about hormone replacement. And so because of that, you're essentially creating this law of averages, right? Yeah, it's like a parody. It's probably a bad parody, like a bland parody, right? And so I said once, you know, I I made a post once that the best thing of your favorite food or the, the thing you love about your favorite food is likely butter. And AI is essentially butter, right? It's pervasive. It's in everything that you like, but it's probably not the thing you think of when you think of lasagna or pizza or cake, right? It's, that's not the thing that makes it cake, but it is one of the reasons why you really like it. it.
0: Why it is cake. Yeah. 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 Without the butter, you ain't eating that cake, buddy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So let's turn our attention now for a moment to to hiring and want to know if you're seeing this and if you are. How are you dealing with it and how do you feel about it? Okay. We're getting lots of applications in that you can tell were written by Chat GPT. In our process of hiring, we do dialogue back and forth on email first before we have, you know, a Zoom interview or anything like that. And even in that back and forth, we're seeing responses that were clearly written by Chat GPT.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How do you feel about that? Have you seen that? Well,
1: I'm lucky for a few reasons that I'll get to, but this may not be the most applicable answer for your audience. Okay. And because the thing is, is that I'm cursed, Atiba, with the inability to own or operate a business that I am not super passionate about. So that's the first point. And so people that I interview for roles, if they're even close to questionable about whether or not they are like, in a hundred percent and excited and eager to come aboard, man, it's an easy decision for me. It's obvious. And the second thing is for the past several years, I've been really running small teams mostly because I help entrepreneurs as a coach primarily. Mm -hmm. And so the largest teams that I work with are the teams of the people that I'm helping as a coach. And so my team is one other person. I'm also uh, involved in a few other organizations as an owner where we have teams of three to five people, but these are sort of nimble, smaller teams. That being said, as I would do with almost anything that society brings my way is I look for the bright side. I'm going to spin that really quickly and say, this is a blessing because previously people would put hours into trying to lie to you and pull the wool over your eyes. And (laughs) it's amazing how hard we all, including myself in the past, work in order to be lazy, right? And so now, yeah, if something's coming in from ChatGPT, that simply tells me maybe the most important piece of information. And that's not whether they're qualified. It's not whether they're intelligent or have the right experience. It's whether they actually care. It's whether they care about the work that they want to be doing. And for me, it's just a no-brainer. I'll tell you right now, I wrote a book that was pretty darn good on ChatGPT in one Mm -hmm. day and the world will never see it. Because I can't put my name on a book that was written by ChatGPT. I could put ChatGPT's name on it and it can help some people. But it's the same thing with a resume or answers or any number of things. I think that it's actually probably a leg up because previously you'd have to guess if they were lying or
0: not. Right. No, that's a great point. Great, great point. So managing small teams like that, right? Because a lot of people are there where they don't have big teams, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: right? One of the the, the things that business owners struggle with a lot is, do I hire a specialist or do I hire a generalist? Your teams, are they specialists or generalists in terms of what their skill sets and abilities are? It's a
1: great question. I think it depends on the role and it depends on the company. So this is broad, but for me, I am someone who personally does whatever it takes to get a job done, which makes me a generalist. Because I either, unless I'm contracting something out, I'm literally fixing my DNS settings this morning. Not because I should or shouldn't be doing that, but because I know that I can, I enjoy the challenge, and I had the time, right? And so the same thing is to be said about most of the people that I've worked with over the past you know, several years is those people are problem solving first. And so if problem solving first means we need to hire this out because we need a coder or we need to hire this out because we need somebody that's, I don't know, a medical doctor or whatever qualifications we don't have, great, let's go either hire or contract somebody that's very specific. If I'm building a website, I'm hiring a website builder, I'm not trying to do that myself. However, for the people that are on the core team, I like the idea of there is a problem, it's tendrils may leak into other areas of the business. I love when people take extreme ownership or even just ownership over the problems that they're set out, setting out to solve. And so my answer would be generalist is the primary core. And then I think you augment with these specialists, primarily at my size with contractors.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. SEO
1: specialists, things like that.
0: Now, you know, I want to go back to the ownership versus extreme ownership in just a moment, but It's an interesting place because I don't think there's a right answer, right? For you, that works, and that's wonderful. And that's one of the things too for all of you who are listening. For Jason, yeah, that's how he works. And if you're that type of person, and here, that's what Jason said. He said, this is who I am. And so he probably likes having, and I'm putting words in your mouth here, those types of people around you because you appreciate that energy, right? If that's not who you are, you may not appreciate that energy and it's okay. It's okay to build your team differently. And that's super important to know. But let's, let's go back to ownership versus extreme ownership. Okay? Well, one, just, let's just define them. What is your definition of ownership versus extreme ownership?
1: Well, you know, extreme ownership, you know, candidly is a book written by Jocko right. Willink, who's I admire a ton. I'm actually, believe it or not, going to his jujitsu camp next week. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, I'm going to Maine. We're gonna. There's about 500 of us going. It's gonna be great. We went last year. It's our team trip this year. I can't wait. But his book, extreme ownership, is all about essentially taking on the responsibility for ownership of whatever the task is. And yep. so when there's something that doesn't go right, we don't look to anybody outside of us for blame or for solutions. We good, we get to pull together this as a team and see what we're really made of. And certainly Jocko is much more capable than I of enumerating all of that. You know, when I spoke it, I'm not sure how I would say the difference between ownership and extreme ownership, but what I will tell you is as an entrepreneur, You know, for me, there's a flag right over my head and it says, burn the ships. And that sentence really means something because nobody is coming to save me. As an entrepreneur, especially as a small business entrepreneur, I don't have massive investors. I don't have shareholders in the sense that most people would think. And so because of that, I, the owner, have to take ownership over everything that we do, which means this happened in stages for me, Atiba. In the first stage, you know, one of my employees would screw something up and I would get mad at them. You know, why didn't they do that thing right? And the way that that goes. And that happens for most of us. Everybody can understand that, especially of kids, right? Mm -hmm. The second step was like, you provide them some training and then they screw it up. And now you feel even more, even more justified. You're like, ah, I gave them the training and they still screwed it up. And the third step, and I think this is probably where I like to be. I don't think there's a fourth step in my mind right now, but is where when you realize that you've given them training and they still screwed it up, that it's your fault. And that's not to, like, make you depressed, but it's to make you understand that everything in your business is your fault, whether it goes well or whether it goes poorly. Because, A, did you train that person well enough? Did they really understand it? Did they have mastery of it? Did they take it on and, and really carry it out? Or, B... Did you hire the right person who is going to care about the things that you want them to care about? Who's going to take the things seriously that you want them to take seriously? And so ultimately, it kind of is. It's almost as simple as number one is give them the training and the guidance and the mentorship and the evolution that they need to do the job well. And then number two, if they're not, you own getting rid of that person from the team and replacing them with somebody who is capable of it.
0: Yep. I think it was Jack Welch who said 95% of workplace failures are because of poor systems, not poor people.
1: I believe that, and that sounds like a Jack Welsh thing for
0: sure. Yeah, and the key there, for me, in unlocking that, to your point, right, about those three stages, is in that third stage is where you have to realize there was a problem, therefore, there's a challenge with the system. Let's figure out where the system went wrong, Mm -hmm. and let's fix the system.
1: Yeah, I'd love to speak to that. If you can imagine a continuum of like the most difficult, highest qualified job you can imagine, let's say it's a NASA scientist who's going into space and conducting experiments, and on the other side is like the fry cook at McDonald's, most entrepreneurs, and this is vanity, we want to have these roles where we're like, oh, we have to hire these great people yeah, who are certified, and they have all these nuts and bolts, and they have all these bells and whistles, when in reality, the best, the Jack Welshs of the world, the Elon Musk's of the world, all those people, they're actually pushing towards first principles. They're pushing towards roles in their organizations that can be done by anybody that can deliver a world-class result with consistency and tons of excess value for them customers and if you can do that then that's really the holy grail but i think that's why so many entrepreneurs fail is because we want to do the sexy thing we want to do the exciting thing we want to do the complicated thing when in fact it's the first principles the simple thing that's really going to make you successful
0: absolutely you know as ryan dice would say let me plus that (laughs) okay there's something that we say in our company and I started it, and truth be told, and and now everybody kind of says it, is we've got to turn art into science. Hmm. I love that. And so often, you're doing a job. Doesn't matter if you're the CEO or the janitor. You're doing a job, and you're great at it. And you're great at it because it's innate to you. And so if it's innate to you, then it's art. And you invariably feel like no one else can do it as well as I can because it's innate to me and it's art. Well, business doesn't run off of art, or at least business doesn't scale off of art. you, You can run a business for a little while off of art, but you can't really sustain and scale off of art. You have to get into science.
1: Yeah, it's so funny you say that because when people ask me who I serve, I always say magicians because magicians are the ones that can create magic, but the magic is stuck between their ears. We are dead on aligned with that because, yeah, that's who I help is magicians because scientists are able to hand things off. They're able to scale. They're able to reproduce their results in bigger and bigger numbers. It's the magicians who, you know, it's this kind of, it's a catch-22 because you feel great as the expert, the wizard, right? But really that's the thing that's holding you back. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you are v- literally the bottleneck, yeah. you know? And yeah. that came to me personally, and, I, and maybe you have a story like this too, in terms of team, because as an agency who's been in SEO forever, right? I had an innate ability to look at a data set and pick out, you can just give me 500 keywords and the data on them and give me 30 minutes and I will pick out the top 10 that hmm. will get you ranked on page one of Google and I was 80% of the time right. Okay? That's amazing. Yeah, it's great. But guess what? Nobody else could do it. (laughs) Were you able to scale that out? Could you figure it out? And so that's what we've worked on the last few years is turning Mm -hmm. that into a science where now I don't even do it anymore. That's amazing. I, I haven't done it in a year. Congratulations, man. That's a big win. Okay. And, but that's where we all need to get to with our teams.
1: I agree. Yeah.
0: Right. To your point that you were making there. So, uh, man, that's great. We've been all over the map.
1: Yes, we have. <laughs> this has been great. I, I enjoy, uh, enjoy chatting with you, Atima.
0: Yeah. This has been a fun, fun, fun conversation. And uh, but before we go though, Jason, I want you to just take a moment, right? Because I know we talked a bit about the CrossFit and that's where you were. Right? But tell everybody where you are. Who do you serve now? What do you do? And how can they reach you?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. And for starters, if you're still listening to this, it's because you like Atiba and you love the content that he's putting out. So before you do anything for me, like the like the episode you're listening to now, subscribe if you haven't already, and go leave a review for him because that will mean the world for him and I happen to know having talked to Atiba how hard he works to make this such a terrific show. And Thank so if you, you still have any energy left over after that, by all means you can check me out at SpearandClover.com. My company is called Spear and Clover. So it's SpearandClover.com, Spear and Clover on Instagram, on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Jason Skisick across all platforms as well. You can find Atiba up on an upcoming episode of my ep- my show, Spear and Clover Podcast. And the people that I work with, it's very simple. I work with magicians. I work with entrepreneurs, typically in the service space that are trying to scale their teams, you know, their companies to seven figures, and in particular, have a, a program that works with hormone replacement clinics but i do work with all sorts of different
0: entrepreneurs fantastic my friend so everybody Spare and clover go check out jason okay go check him out there's a lot that you can learn there personally i love his instagram Thanks. like i just i, I love you know there are a lot of people who curate their instagrams and it looks super cu- curated and you don't like it yours is curated and i love it, it oh, the, the aesthetic good. of it is just beautiful Personally. Thank okay? you, man. I appreciate now, it. Now, if y'all go look at it and y'all don't like it, don't tell me. No, just tell your- me. I-
1: <laughs> I'm a masochist. Bring it on. The only good <laughs> feedback is negative, so give it to me.
0: <laughs> so, no, but seriously, go check out Jason. As always, thank y'all for being here. Jason, man, you have been great. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Bouncing all the way around from, from the, the military to AI to hiring and everything in between about building team. But for those of you out there, just remember... The same wind blows on all of us when it comes to building team. You've heard us talk. You heard where Jason started. You heard their struggles. If you're struggling right now, it's okay. I want to hear from you. Drop it in the comments. Reach out to me. Let me know maybe ways that we can support you. Until the next time, bye, everybody.